Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Because we need to hear what the Lord has to say to us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, since we have been made right with God, right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Do You Have Peace with God? Pray with me. God, thank you for making us right with you. Lord, I pray as we look to your word this morning, Father, that you would anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. God, I pray that you would teach us from your word by your spirit, Lord. I pray for our nursery workers, our children's church workers, God, that you would anoint them to uh, represent you properly today. Bless them. Increase, encourage our children, our young people, Father, and speak to us now in this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you have peace with God? I can remember being in the schools is when it really was at its height. We started uh, a church, this church, in the Clay Hill section of Middleburg 17 years ago this summer, and we were in a paid-for facility on three and a half acres of land, uh, we had kitchen, fellowship hall, church, classroom space. Uh, I drug my little trailer from the west side of Jacksonville out to that property, lived behind the church in the trailer on a dirt patch. Everything was paid for. We had no mortgage, and God put it in my heart to leave that place and go meet in the school. Now, some of y'all don't know about churches that meet in schools. Some of y'all never been a part of something like that. Churches that meet in schools are churches that don't have a paid-for facility on three and a half acres of land with a kitchen, five bathrooms, uh, a church building, classrooms, a parsonage, and all that other stuff. Uh, if you ever drive deep in the Clay Hill section of Middleburg, you'll, you'll see a church out there now called Evangel Temple Southwest Campus. That's where we started this church, and we sold that church to them without a broker, with, without, a, without a multi-listing site. We just decided that God wanted us to sell that church and go be in a school, and I just started praying, and it was wild. I was in Mexico at a clinic with Gail after the doctors here gave up on her, and a man called me, uh, and he said, Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I represent Pastor Cecil Wiggins at Evangel Temple Assembly God Church in, on, in Jacksonville, and we heard that your church building was up for sale, and we're interested in buying it. And I listened to his pitch. And I did, he didn't know who I was when he called me, but it, it was a guy that I'd been friends with a long time ago and done some business with named Tony Stivers, and it was a great job. And I'm like, Tony, it's Scott Becker. And he laughed, and I told him I was in Mexico, but when I come back, we work on putting that sale together. And they bought that church. But we ended up in, in a school, uh, Lake Asbury Elementary School. And then after that, we were in Lake Asbury Elementary School because I knew that's where God wanted us to be in that season of our church's existence. And there was no Lake Asbury Junior High School at the time. 
They started building Lake Asbury Junior High School, and I thought, man, I love this community. I know God wants us in a school in this community. I know this is right where God wants us to be because he showed it to me in prayer driving around one night. And I, I, but, man, it smelled so bad. It was so bad. Lake Asbury Elementary School smelled so bad. It smelled like, listen, if you crumbled up a bag of five-month-old Doritos, took a seven-year-old bag of Cheetos, busted that up, crumbled that all together, took a bunch of wet socks after football practice, stuck them all in a Ziploc bag, zipped it up for five years, and then opened it up and put it under somebody's nose. That's what the cafeteria smelled like, didn't it, Dina? It was bad. Every Saturday, Saturday we would spend all day mopping and cleaning Lake Asbury Elementary, uh, the, the library that we used for children's church, the, the cafeteria that we used for our adult service. And we would buy every Saturday 18 double-sided Glade plug-ins, and we would put them every six feet on it. Everywhere there was a wall plug, we'd be like, we got to chase this feet smell out of here. Little boys smell. I don't know about little, I don't, I don't know if little girls come home smelling. I know little boys. They, <laughs> all right. Now I know. Come home smelling like wet dogs. I mean, and the whole place was just, so moral of that story is they started building a brand new school next door, Lake Asbury Junior High School. And I'm like, man, we ought to get up in there. It'll smell like clean paint. You know, it probably smells like feet by now. That's been a long time ago. Um, And so I went to talk to, they were building the church there. I went to talk to the principal, and he, he figured I was, you know, the slowest mover in the community. He's like, I already have nine churches that have come to me before you asking, can you be in my school? And he was the, he was the principal there, and what was his name, Mr. Park? Uh, good dude, had a Bible on his desk. I mean, right here in public school system, a good dude. And he said, Scott, I promise you, if you will stay out of my hair, don't call me, don't come by again, don't harass me. I'm going to tell you the same thing I told the other nine people. I will... My priority is to get this school open on time by next year. He said, if you'll leave me alone, I will call all y'all in when it's time, and we'll talk, and we'll make a decision about how we can put, some, put a faith community inside this church. So I'm like, cool. I appreciate your time. Love the Bible on your desk. Thank God for it. And so I left. Less than 10 days later, he called me on the phone and said, since the moment you left my office, I've probably had 20 different people come into my office and asked me have I heard about what abundant life is doing in this community and how they're changing Lake Asbury for for the better he said I want to talk to you and so the other nine people got that, that thought they were ahead of us got bumped off of us so that we could get in there and we sojourned in Lake Asbury first first church ever in there and God gave us great favor and God gave us great grace but it was there in those schools that I really talked about this one thing a lot. I throw it out there every now and then. Most of y'all don't get it because I, I said it every, every service back then. I was just convinced in my mind. How many of y'all know some things are true and some things are true in your mind? Like some of y'all are young and some of y'all think y'all are young. Some of y'all look nice. Some of y'all, well, let me keep going. Uh, but I, I was convinced in my mind that I had like all these different O meters on necklace straps, and I could just hang it over somebody's neck 
and determine how, 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 how much laughter they had. In the, and so I like, if I could put my laughter meter on you right now, if I could start with Karen and just work all the way back to Daniel and just see where, where you were at on that. And I talked about that a lot. I finally realized I don't really have any of those O-meters. But, you know, if you look close enough, you can see in someone's eyes where they're at. You know, if you watch somebody, their, their, their life uh, will live out what they're believing on the inside. They will expose the truth of where they are. The title of this morning's message is, Do You Have Peace With God? And I was thinking, as I was preparing for this, Lord, if I just had a peace meter I hang, I make them all stand up, face the church, and let's put the peso meter on you and just see where you're at. See, times change. People go through different things. Uh, I, I know because I've studied the history of the church that when they started singing Amazing Grace, the church was mad about it because it was new. And they wanted old songs, and they didn't want to hear Amazing Grace. So I, I get the value of relevant music, but uh, because I'm old and set in my ways, I have certain style and certain types of music that I personally enjoy, and it's the old stuff. And we used to sing a song in church that said, I've got peace like a river. Anybody remember that? And then you break it all down at the, at the fourth verse because you say, I've got love like a river. I've got joy like a river. And then you break it down at the end, I've got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river in my soul. And we would sing about having peace like a river. Now, I don't know if you've got peace like a river, but, you know, if you have ever been next to a real river, you understand a river is different than a retention pond. So I was thinking about this as I'm preparing, and I'm thinking, you know, most people's peace is not like a river, constantly moving, constantly flowing, filled with life, energy, activity, electricity, just vibrant and thriving i thought man most people if they got peace at all it's like a, a retention pond it's there but it ain't moving much it's there there's some fish in it i don't know that you'd want to eat them uh it's there drawing mosquitoes and snakes if you live if you live in north florida alligators Ain't no gators in them woods, are there, Pastor? No, no, no. No snakes either. No spiders, no roaches, none of that. I want to know how much peace you have. But more than that, I want you to be honest about how much peace you have. And what I found in my life is that some things are subjective. Some things are relative. Some things go up. Some things... Uh, go down. Sometimes you, you feel more one way, sometimes you feel more the other way. But there should be some abiding things that we as believers have, and peace is one of them. And I want you to think about not how much peace you, people in your family have, not how much peace other people have, but I want you to think about your own level of peace this morning because the Bible speaks a lot about peace. The Bible speaks a lot about the value of peace and what peace will do for your life. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that and some other things in Romans chapter 5 this morning. So I want you to get ready to receive. Let's look at our opening verse, Romans 5.1. Therefore, comma, always pause on the punctuation that will help you understand what you're reading. Taking bite-sized pieces, digest it, chew on it, think about it. 
The word therefore and the word wherefore are very similar in this uh, Bible language when we're reading the Bible. And when the Bible says the words therefore or wherefore, I've told you, you need to stop, you need to pause, and try to figure out what that word is. That's exactly right. Why does God say therefore? Why is this word therefore there? Well, because of what's just been said. We're in chapter 5, so what's a good thought of what chapter, when he says therefore, which is to say because of what I just said in chapter or, or, or. All right, because of what's already been said, he's, he's saying therefore. Now, you've got to think that when the writer says therefore, that you have some knowledge of what's already been said. Uh, that's not to say that you can't just start in chapter 5 and, and, and get something out of it. You can walk in to the last half of a, of a two-hour movie and catch up some. You can get a lot. You can get big points, but you, you do better to have all of the information at hand. And he says, therefore, uh, and, and ever since chapter 3, Paul has been talking heavily in chapter 3 and chapter 4 about justification by faith justification by faith justification by faith is a fundamental doctrine of all true believers the word justified is a judicial term it's a legal term it's a uh it, it looks to a judge who makes a declaration that says i deem you not guilty now that's a great thing if you know you're guilty and the judge is like or what, what he does is more similar in our day and age to a pardon. If the judge says, I know you are as guilty as all day long, and the guidelines for your sentencing is 12 years to 25 years in life, but because of the blah, 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 extenuating circumstances, uh, the state is going to pardon you from all these charges and let you go free. You think that dude here in that speech is happy about that? Knows he's guilty. Knows he did it. Knows there's a heavy price to pay for doing it. But the judge said, we're going to wipe that out. We're going to expunge your record, uh, and we're going to send you on your merry way. I want you to know, if you don't hear anything else this morning, if you have placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the judge of all heaven has cleared your record, pardoned you, expunged your record, holds no record against you for wrong. I'm glad five people like that. Some of y'all listen. They say that lemons are good for you. They say that prunes are good for you. But if you've been sucking on lemons and prunes all day long, don't show that on your face when you come to church. You make me preach longer. It's not my job to preach you happy, but I will preach you tired. <laughs> Try to pay attention. Verse 1. Therefore, because of what's been said in chapter 3 mostly and in chapters 4 mostly, uh, more so than chapters 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, comma. Let's stop and let's unpack it. Because of what I said about justification of faith, and since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Now we talk a lot about 
principles and keys of biblical interpretation. I want you to read the Bible and it makes sense to you. I want you to understand what you're reading so when you read it, you get something from it. So you're not just like these people like, I read it, but I don't know if I understood it. No, you, I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, I'm not a very good reader. I, I don't really I understand much of what I read. If you will find some principles of interpretation, if you will seek and ask God to help you understand, you will understand. One of those uh, principles of interpretation is this we. When, when, the, when the Bible writer says we, he's more likely than not talking to who? We is Christians. They are non-Christians. Us is Christians. Them is non-Christians. That's not always the case, but more likely than not is the case. He said, since we have been made right. I hope you're in that we. Oh, I'm glad to be in that we. See, it just takes me back to another one of my old favorite songs. When the saints go marching in. See, I, 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 don't, I don't really care how much I amass in this life. I don't care uh, what, what people think about me. If I cared what people thought about me, we'd do things differently. I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of external wants in my life. But when, when that songwriter said, oh, I want to be in that number. I'm so glad I'm in that number. That when the saints go marching in, I'm, I'm in that. I hope that you're part of this we. I hope that you can have assurance in your soul that, that says in spite of anything else that might be going on in your life, when the Apostle Paul told the church at Rome, we have been made right. I hope you know that you are in. that. If you haven't been made right with God, you need to get made right with God because you can't have the peace of God without being made right in God's sight by faith. All right, so here's what I need. I need uh, some English majors or some smart people to help us to understand what this is saying. This says, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, what is the Bible telling us has made us right in God's sight? Right in God's sight by faith as opposed to what? There's only faith and there's works. You, you either believe your way to heaven or you try to work your way to heaven. This, this, is, this is the age-old uh, conundrum. This is where every religion falls. People are either trying to work their way to heaven. I was born into the Catholic Church. I, I, was, I was brought up in the Catholic Church, and I was told uh, uh, what Catholic doctrine is and have studied Catholic doctrine since coming out of it. And here's basically the principle. Be born into a good Catholic family. Get christened. Come to church every now and then, confess every now and then, do penance every now and then. The Pope already determined 100 years ago, all you have to do is come to confession once and mass once a year, and that labels you as a good Catholic. But the overarching theme is if you get to heaven, that St. Peter's going to sit down with you and review your record, and if your good outweighs your bad, you're going to gain straight access into heaven as long as you're a good Catholic. Now, if your good doesn't outweigh your bad, but you're still a good Catholic, you're going to have to go to a waiting area, and the saints are going to have to pray you in. And they still, all over the world, in third world countries, sell the Mass. Selling the Mass has been a Catholic tradition since the founding of the Catholic Church. Now, imagine this. Think, think, think about this. Think about this, Dick. If your son died, and you, you we, we were all in the Catholic Church, and your priest told you, and your faith told you that... You, you and Sonia are going to have to pay for next Sunday morning service. It's going to cost $4,000 to 
and we're going to pray for your son to get out of purgatory and get into heaven. You're going to find a way to get that done? You're going to, and, and that's what, I, I had a missionary friend of mine was in a third world South American country, and their son died, fell off a mountain, bringing food home. And, and the Catholic priest told them, you have to come up with X amount of dollars to, to say the mass for your child, or he'll never get into heaven. And they sold the only animal they had for plowing their field and were unable to make money moving forward. But they had to have the church pray their son out of hell. Aren't you glad that's not in the Bible? Now so, now see, I love churches. I love big churches. I, I love to go into cathedrals. There, there are no bigger, more awesome-looking churches to me than, than Catholic and Episcopalian churches uh, they, they, because they're rich. You don't see no Baptist, you don't see no Church of God in Christ like that. Gold-plated everything. Well, maybe in the preacher's house, but in Catholic cathedrals are just incredible. I love going there, and I love looking at the beauty until I'm reminded. They sold the mass to pay for all this gold and silver. They sold indulgences. Y'all know that uh, Mardi Gras is most heavily attended by Catholics than anything in the world because it was, it was created as a release valve for good Catholics. What, what, do, y'all, do y'all know when Fat Tuesday is? The most sinful day on the American calendar? You know what comes right after Fat Tuesday? Ash Wednesday. Well, now we got to go into deep mourning for all that stuff we just did on, on Bourbon Street in Nolens. Do y'all think that's a Christian mindset? No, you don't go out there, but in the old Catholic, and I'm not beating up on Catholics. I love the Catholic Church. I've got great friends in the Catholic Church. I thank God for the Catholic Church. But they would sell indulgences. How, how, how about this, Deacon Ken? You, you just come to, to me and to Elder Jimmy, and y'all like, hey, y'all know I'm serving the Lord. Me and my wife, good, faithful Christian people, uh, strong members of this church. We're thinking about going out this week. Uh, gonna spend about nine days out in Vegas. We gonna gamble, visit some swinger colonies, you know, drive drive over to some nude beaches, uh, just get drunk. We think about trying crystal meth and crack. You know, we won't get hooked. Uh, and uh, she's mad at him already. She's like, "How can you tell? The, what is wrong with you? I don't even know you after a hundred years. This is insane." But. But they would go to the priest and be like, so what's all that going to run me? What's, what's, what's the bill on something like that, doc? And they would, the church would sell an indulgence. And they would, they would tell you, how late you plan on staying out on Fat Tuesday? Just be for real. I ain't even going to bed, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I'm just going to fall down somewhere. Right, let me say it. Because I normally say it the other way. Let me let me say it for way way country people would think about it. Uh, you 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 got you got Garth Brooks stuck in your mind. You ain't going down till the sun comes up. And what's that going to run? And they would literally put a dollar amount on it. Be like, hey, I tell you what, slide me fifteen hundred bucks. I'd pray for you. Is that crazy? That, that is the history. Are you glad that you don't have to grease no church hand, no preacher hand to get your children in heaven and to ask God to forgive you of your sins? Now, you might be confessing a long time. You do nine days in Vegas and all that other stuff. Um, but 
It, we are not made right with God by paying off the church. We're not made right with God by, by um, having other people pray for us. You're not going to get into heaven on no one else's coattails. The Bible says that we, talking about people who are right with God, we, those of us who are saved, have been, that's past tense, we've already been, this is something that has happened to us that hasn't happened to everyone, this happened to us, we're a select group, a called out group, the Greek word ekklesia means the church, it's a, it's, a, it's a select small called out group of people who've been pulled out of their homes to come into a very important meeting and be part of something that is ultimately special. We have been made right in God's sight by faith. Faith is what will get you into heaven. People have made it all about works. The church has made it all. If your good outweighs your bad, if you do more good than bad, I, I got news for you. I don't care how sweet you are. I don't care how clean, lily white, prissy, sanctified, sophisticated you are. There is not one person in the history of this world other than the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth who ever had a life where their good outweighed their bad. Every other human being that ever lived, our bad outweighs our good. I talk to my kids a lot about theology, and they, are, they have a lot of, but, but how can we be sure of this? But how, how do you really know that? Because they've heard me preach, and they've heard me say, and they've seen me live, and they know, they know firsthand that Christian people can do some messed up stuff. So where do, where do you draw the line? How, how, how do you know that this person who's doing bad stuff is, is saved and this person who's done bad stuff is lost? Let me tell you something. People who are saved have faith. Because it's not your works or your church attendance that saves you. It's your faith. And your faith allows you to believe in something you've never seen. Your faith remains. I have been made right with God by faith. I'm right in God's eyes by faith. Now, that's great news for me because God's eyes don't change. I'm right, made right with God because I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross, and that can't change. What if you can only have peace with God based on how you live this week? What, what, what if your peace, and here's the problem. Some people let this happen. Some people allow their peace and their hope and their faith in God to be up and down based on whether or not they felt like they lived a, a, a perfect life that week. I hope you live a great life. I believe God blesses you when you live right. But I want you to know when it comes to your peace of whether or not you're made right with God, don't let your day-to-day -day activity come into play on that. Let Calvary come into play on that. Let Jesus come into play on that. That's never going to change. I, I have peace like a river no matter what's going on in my life because I'm not the one controlling the river. I'm not the one who got me where I am. Jesus got me where I am, and he never changes. We've been made right with, in God's sight by faith. You've got to believe the right stuff. I, 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 I typed in this thing because it hit me so hard. Something I read uh, theologians say, uh, he said, God has declared me innocent because of my faith in Jesus Christ. See, that's a judicial declaration. I want you to hear it again. God has declared me innocent because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I serve God, not because I read my Bible, say my prayers, and make good choices. God has declared me innocent because of my faith in Jesus Christ. He went on to say, believing that he took my sin and died in my place. 
He became my substitute. He took God's judgment for my sin. He bore it for me. By my believing in him, God declares me innocent of all charges, a.k.a. justified by faith. You want to know the real message of Christianity? You want to know what Christians really believe? You want to know what you have to believe to be part of this we? I'm going to read it to you again. Believing that Jesus took my sin and died in my place, becoming my substitute and taking God's judgment for my sin. He bore it for me. And by my believing in him, God declares me innocent of all charges. I'm going to say it again. You cannot... Gain righteousness with God by how you live. It can only be by what you believe. And people hate that. That goes against our grain. That goes against our pleasing our parents. See, because, you know, parents are human or, or pleasing our bosses or pleasing our coaches or pleasing the people whose approval we desire. We get that on a do we do right from moment to moment. God is higher than your friends. God is higher than your boss, your coach, your spouse, your employee, your employer. God says that we are made right in his sight by faith. The greatest, well, maybe not the greatest, but the most quoted verse in the Bible about faith comes out of what is commonly referred to as the faith chapter in the Bible. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is a great King James Version uh, Bible verse. It's one of the first Bible verses I ever committed to memory, and it is saying a lot. Faith is. That means there's a description following. Now, faith is. Here comes a description for what faith is. And this is a great thing about God and his holy book. If you want to know the answer, it's in the book. For whatever question needs answering, now, it doesn't tell you if Coke is better than Pepsi. Common sense dictates that. When 92% of all soft drinks consumed around the world are made by Coke, the market tells you that. All you Pepsi fans, don't email me. It doesn't tell you well, who will win the Pepsi challenge, uh, even though Pepsi tastes like sugar down flat Coke. Uh, it doesn't tell you which one you should or shouldn't. Why doesn't it have that answer, Pastor? Because that's not relevant to life. You can drink Pepsi if you got bad taste. But if you go to any decent restaurant in America, they're going to be selling Coke products. I wonder why. I really don't. They, they want people to come back. Now, faith, here's the answer. You want to know what faith is? The Bible has the answer. Faith, what's the definition of faith? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. There has to be substance to what you believe, and there has to be evidence to what you believe. If there is no substance to what you believe, and then you just got blind faith in something foolhardy, then it's not, it's not Bible faith. That, that's, that's improper belief system. If there's no substance to the message you believe, I want to tell you something. There's substance to God's message. There's substance to what Jesus did on the cross. And, and, and there is evidence of the things that are not seen. You cannot see the Holy Ghost. Let, let, let me just, let me, let me, let me, let me preach to the women in the church, wives in the church. You can't see the Holy Ghost with your eyes in your husband or your children. 
But you can watch and see if there's any evidence of the Holy Ghost being anywhere around them at all. Can three ladies say amen? You, there, there better be some evidence to your faith. Faith has substance. Faith has evidence. I read it to you in a, in a more modern translation. Uh, in Hebrews 11, one says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. This is why when people tell me they had some mighty vision, they saw something uh, miraculous, they say that as a way to make themselves, you know, look spiritual and, and awesome. And if you saw it, you saw it. I mean, do, do, do you. But first thing I'm thinking of, super strong, God wouldn't have to be trying to make you think you saw visions. If your faith was where it needed to be, you would never need any outside source to tell you that God is real. You wouldn't need any validation of vision because we walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says that faith gives us assurance about things we cannot see. How sure are you that Jesus died on a cross around 2,000 years ago? Now, see, the whole world believes that. Everybody believes that. It's a historical fact. More books have been written about Jesus than any other human being in the world. Our calendar's based on him. Everybody knows there's an accurate person that lived. Okay, so uh, that, that's nothing. Everybody believes that. But do you believe that his death on that cross had anything to do with you personally? Are you assured of that? Are you, are you sure of that? Uh, do you believe that he paid a price for your sin so that you could be made right with God. God said sin must be paid for. The Bible says the, the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. He made the payment for our sin. Well, let me ask you this. Do you believe, because here, here's what church people believe, and this, this sounds like a myth and a fairy tale and foolishness, and I've had lost people tell me that's just all a crutch for weak-minded people who can't make it on their own. Uh, do you really believe that this same Jesus rose from the dead and is alive right now this minute are you sure of that see that that's faith that's faith you 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 might not know where the rent's coming from you you might not know how how how, how the season's going to play out all, all you 16 and old jaguar fan believers you may not know how, how things are going to be uh politically you may not know what what's going to happen uh governmentally but do you really know that you know that you know? Are you sure? Do you have a deep, abiding, unshakable, never going to stop believing that Jesus died, was buried, and rose the third day according to the Scripture? That's what faith is. That, that, that's, that's what's going to get us where we need to be. Put, put that verse on the screen for me, Deacon Mike. Romans 5, 1. Uh, it, it, it says, since we've been made right with God in God's sight by faith, that's already happened. You're saved, that's already happened. But we have. It doesn't say we had. It says we have. So is that past tense or present tense, English major? That's present tense. We have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God because of what Jesus. See, this is the Christian message. This is what saved folk believe. We believe in, in what Jesus did on the cross, and because we believe what Jesus did on the cross, we have peace like a river. We have peace with God because of what he did. I looked up in the Greek dictionary. New Testament was primarily written in, in Greek. I looked up in the Greek dictionary which Greek word uh, God chose for our English word peace. 
and I looked up the dictionary. I want to read you the definition uh, for this word peace because I love it. Exemption from the rage and havoc of war. That is the most literal definition for the Bible word peace. If you, because of your faith in what Jesus Christ has done, your belief in what Jesus Christ has done, your salvation because you are a we and not a they, if you have peace, then you realize that you have exemption from the rage and havoc of war. That's why some people with, with fiery darts flying all around them, sitting in hell by the acre, going through tragedy and turmoil, and everybody else pulling their hair out, losing their mind, are sitting down right in the middle of it, making a ham sandwich, giving God thanks for mayonnaise. Because they know. <laughs> I got exemption. Oh, this, this, oh, this war in the don't, don't Trump can't fade me. Barack Obama can't fade me. Hillary can't fade me. It's so hilarious people get wound up. We had people in this church. Don't get mad about the truth. We had people in this church putting on their social media. If Donald Trump wins, he's going to have us back in change the first month. Anybody, anybody believe people had that on their social media? Some of y'all black people better raise y'all's hands. I watch y'all social media. Y'all lying in here. He going to have us in chains. We going to be back in the cotton field. If Trump, y'all better vote Hillary. If Trump win, we going to be picking cotton forever. Let me get off black folk. Where are you Hispanic people at? I saw Hispanic people put on their Facebook you better vote for Hillary because if Trump wins, we're all getting sent back to where we came from. Well, then there will be nobody left in America because we all came from somewhere. That don't even make sense on its face. Everybody came from somewhere. No, they, oh, every brown-skinned person going to get People who are here legally don't get deported. And if you're here illegally, you know how to make it work. I mean, you, you know how to do what you do. And... The, the fear that comes along with the media, the fear that comes along with not having peace, the fear that comes along that allows people to say such crazy stuff to you and you believe it, we're going to be back in chains in the cotton field. Come on now. I mean, Hen, how, how, how many people is it going to take to, I, I, I mean, me, me and two other white dudes come to your house and say, hey, you and Nixon got to go pick cotton today and get beat with it. You're just laying down for the just like, okay. I mean, that's 2018. You, you, you call somebody that have us locked in jail for even mentioning that from the pulpit. Why do we allow folk that ain't like us, that don't love us, that don't believe in our Jesus to speak fearful things into our life that we hold on to? Why do we do that? Oh my gosh, if Hillary wins, uh, they're going to take, they're going to shut down all the churches and they won't, we won't be allowed to say God because, true fact, the Democratic platform stood up and voted in 2012 to remove any mention of God from their platform and it passed. Now, if y'all watched the convention like I did, you remember what happened the next night. They came out and said uh, that we, we were premature on that. 
We didn't know 700 million Christian Democrats were going to call us up and say, hey, you ain't taking God off no Democrat platform. And so we'd like to amend and, and have a new. Any, did anybody see that on the news? I'm the only one that saw it. Okay. All right. And, and then they said, all in favor of reinstalling God on the Democrat platform, let it be known by saying yes. Crickets. Look up YouTube. Crickets. And then the lady was like, maybe you didn't hear me. We want to like to amend our mistake from last night. And we would like to put God back in because God's always been a part of our platform. And we would like it all. And let it be known by saying yes. Three or four people. A man came out from the back corner. Whispered something in her ear. To the, to the do it one more time and no matter what happens celebrate she said i'm gonna give you one more chance because this is important to the forward progress of our platform said it again everybody who agrees now you gotta you gotta know there's some extreme people you go to all the way out to a convention you're pretty extreme in what you do i mean if they're like they're having a democrat republican independent whatever convention uh in in seattle i i I ain't going to Seattle. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to Callahan. What, are you kidding me? I'm going to go sitting in a bum room with a bunch of politicians that hate God, and uh, I don't care what stripe they wear on their sleeve. And so she said, for the third time, threw that vote out there, the same four people said yes. She said, that is awesome. Unanimously agreed that the Democrat platform, how, how many of y'all think I'm just lying out of my teeth? Some of y'all looking at me like y'all think I'm, I, I, I will tell you what we made a verb out of. We made a verb out of a company name. Anybody know what I'm going to tell them? Tell them, Dana. Google it. You don't believe me? Google it. You, you, people sitting around talking about, oh, if Hillary wins, uh, it's just going to be horrible for the church. Uh, they're just, you know, everywhere you go, atheists are going to, uh, they know they're just, stop being scared of everything people say that aren't in your we anyhow. Put your arms around your we and realize I've used Deacon West forever uh, in this example because p people keep talking about it. People keep talking about it. it's going to be a civil war in America. Black folk going to rise up. 13% going to rise up. I, that's bad math. Think about that before you join that club. Okay? <laughs> I love you. Okay? White and white alone, 63%. African American, 12.9% in this country. Now, you're like, I don't believe that. I know you live on Jack West Side of Jacksonville. It don't look that way. I'm talking about in Montana, Utah, Colorado, Nebraska. Okay? There's other states around. Uh, but I, I've used this example forever. My family would be in a strange cut if something like that was to ever happen. And so would some families in this room. Because I can tell you this. If the world tried to pit the races against each other to the point where we were really going to throw down and fight each other. And I've had people say, well, what would you do? You, you pastor uh, a predominantly African-American church. What would you do? I said, I would grab me and mine. And I would go stand back to back with Henry West and whoever else wanted to join us, no matter what color they were. And we would be us and they would be them because we're the we that matters and they are the them that don't. Don't let these liars take my peace away from me. Now, can I? Yes. Sometimes I get beside myself. Sometimes I get caught up in my flesh, frustrated, looking at all this stuff and hearing all this foolishness. Not because I believe it, but because I know people I care about are being forced into fear over it. 
The Bible asks rhetorically, if God is for us, who can be against us? Start telling yourself that when, when you don't feel this peace. But the, the literal definition of the word peace in this passage is exemption from rage and havoc of war. If this world goes to war, I'm going to be exempt from it. And I'm going to have peace, and I'm going to know. doesn't matter who wins, who loses. I'm going to heaven when I die. Next time, they, they, people are all worried. Got to get out to vote in 2018. Got to get out to vote in 2018. Got to overthrow the House in 2018. Got to take the Senate in 2018. Got to get out. Got to save the House. Got to say, all, all, I ain't freaking out. Well, there's, a blue, there's a blue wave coming. There's a red wave coming. None of that is going to change who I'm worshiping. And you're like, well, Pastor, don't you believe in the civil duty? I do believe in the civil duty. I do believe in the process. But I also believe that they're all rich and we ain't. I do believe Hillary Clinton owns four houses that all cost over $3 million. One of them cost over $20 million. She was standing up telling me she for the working man? Oh, you mean like your husband who gets paid $7 million to give a 15-minute speech? That's hard work. I give hour and a half speech every Sunday morning. <laughs> my children be my witness. We don't go out to eat after church on Sunday, we go home so I can change my wet shirt, my wet underwear, and my wet socks. I know about the working man. You're like, oh, you sweat for an hour. I sweat all day. Okay, let's keep moving. Peace. We have peace. Now, when I read something in the Bible that I think ain't right, it causes me to say, hmm. It makes me scratch my head and wonder. I know the Bible's right, but I know that ain't right. For me. So does the Bible need to change what it's saying or do I need to change how I'm living? I need to change. So the Bible says we. Who's the we? Christians. People who've been made right with God. Not because of what they've done but because of what they believe Jesus did. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. We have peace peace with God. Well, I know a lot of we who are medicated because their mind won't have peace. So do we have peace with God? Well, the scripture says that we do. All right. So let's stay with the scripture. Uh, let, let me, let me give you a chance to answer. We're going to get out of here. The Bible says that Christians have peace with God. If you're a Christian, do you have peace with God? That's what the scripture says. It's undeniable. It absolutely is true. But here's what I know for sure. You have peace with God because of what Jesus has done. But you can, concentrate, you can concentrate on some things that will cause you to shake in your peace. You can allow your mind to get in a position to where your peace becomes unsettled. You can allow your mind to tell you things that, that make you fearful and nervous. And, 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 and you can know in your mind, I'm, I'm a Christian. God is for me. No, no, no weapon for him to get. I, I'm going to heaven. But fear come in. You got to choose to believe what God says over what you feel. You got to choose to believe what God said over what them voices in your head said. You got to choose to believe what God said over what Fox News and CNN said. You got to choose to believe what God said no matter what's going on around you. You got to believe that the scripture is right. What does the scripture say? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I hope that you know that. I hope that you have peace 
with God. I hope that you understand he has done something for you. We have peace with God. We're right with God. By faith in what Jesus did, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, what if he's not your Lord? You have no peace. You're not a we. See, a lot of people think they have Jesus as their Savior, but not as their Lord. That's two sides of the same coin. You can't just, well, you can. You can rush up, get some fire insurance, and say, I don't want to die and go to hell, so I'm going to call on the name of the Lord to be saved, but I ain't going to serve him and let him tell me what to do. He can't be your Savior without being your Lord. It's who he is. He's not half of a thing. He's a whole thing. And, and if, if he is your Lord, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, that's an inclusive term, not for everyone, but for a select group of people who are born again that have Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I'm not even going to move on to the next verse. I'm going to leave it right here, and we'll pick back up on this uh, if, if, if God allows me to sometime soon. The Scripture says the reason we have peace with God, us, those who count Jesus as Savior and Lord, not based on anything that we've done, but based on what he did on the cross, we have peace with him because of what he did for us. So I'm going to close and leave it here. Do you believe that Jesus has done anything for you? Do you really believe that? See, this is the difference maker between those that serve God and those that don't. This is the difference maker between those who get up out of bed and get on their knees and pray at night when, when they know they need to and those that don't. This is the difference maker between those who press their way to church even when they don't think they're going to get anything out of it and their body isn't feeling just right and those that don't. This is the difference maker between those who give more of their money to church than they give to foolishness. This is the difference between people who are happy and glad to serve in, uh, in, in God's kingdom and those who don't because they are convinced that the Lord has done something for them. I wish that every Christian in the world treated God the way many Christians treat their pastor. The Bible says you ought to respect those who, who minister to you. It's a lot of difficulty that goes with, with ministry. It's a lot of sacrifice that goes with ministry. Try it if you don't believe. But there's only one person you should worship. There's only one person. I've had people send me cards, letters, emails, texts, and I, I get what they mean, but it always is, is always difficult for me when they say, only reason I'm saved is because of you. And I, I have to take that as a teaching moment and let them know, I, 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 I'm thankful for your love, but I can't save you. Only reason my family's still together is because of you. I'm glad y'all came to counseling. I'm glad that, that God was able to do a miracle in your life, but but the only person that has really done anything for us that's lasting is God. Anything you've ever done good in the name of God that impacted someone else, it was God doing that in you. It was God empowering you. It was God giving you the ability to do it. It was God giving you the opportunity to do it. It was God giving you the grace and the strength to do it. I really want you to settle this in your mind today. Do you believe what the writer of Romans said? 
the Lord the, the, the Lord has done for us. The Lord has done for us. Has the Lord done anything for you? Last verse of Scripture. I'm not going to go to verse 2. I'm going to give you one verse of Scripture out of Psalm 126, verse 3. And this exact same wording is in about 30 verses in the Bible. I just picked this one. You read this in so many different ways, in so many different verses. Psalm 126, verse 3 says, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And so the hymn writer wrote a song that says, He has done, yes, He has done great things for us. And the psalmist said, whereof we are glad. You shouldn't need Minister Harris to sing you happy. You shouldn't need me to preach you happy. You shouldn't need everything in life to be going right for you. If you can ever just stop and think, he has done great things for me. He gave you the faith to believe in him. The Bible says no one can come to God unless the Father draws them, unless the Spirit of God brings them. He, he, he gave you the desire to even love him. Jesus told his apostles, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He picked you. He didn't wait on you to start doing something better to start loving you. He loved you right where you are. We're going to get to verse 8 one day in this chapter. This, and, and, it, and it tells us that God showed his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He made it possible for us to have heaven and not hell. He made it possible for us to have peace in the midst of a storm. Stop struggling. Stop freaking out. I can't tell you to stop going through because the scripture says we're always going to have tribulation and trial. We're always going to have struggle. But stop freaking out. Let that peace that God says is inside you as Jesus promised when he left this earth through earthly ministry, he said, I'm leaving, but I'm, my peace I'm leaving with you. If you're a we, if you're an us, if you're in this thing for real, the peace of God is inside you. Choose that over fear. If you're saved at all, we're only saved because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Recognize that he did something great for you. People around me hear it all the time, and it's still true. He saved me when he didn't have to. He loved me before I loved him. He chased me down before I ever opened my arms to him. See, if you're saved at all, it's not because you made a great decision to be born again. If you're saved at all, it's because through his love, through his grace, and through his mercy, the one true God in this universe chased you down with his goodness and his love, and he kept knocking on your door saying, just let me in, just let me in, just let me in. I want a better life for you. I want to show you things that you don't know. I want to give you a peace that can get you through every struggle and every trial in your life. And if you've accepted him as, as your Savior, I want you to understand that you have this peace living inside you. And you don't have to choose fear. The way you avoid choosing fear is at the end of the, la of, of the verse, Romans 5.1. By recognizing, by confessing and being aware, he has done great things.
Everything might not be the way I want it to be, but God has done great things. Everything in my life didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, but God has done great things. I've been through trial. I've been through struggle. I've been through tragedy, but God has done great things. In the midst of every storm, God is still doing great things. In the midst of every valley, God is still doing great things. The real question is, do you believe that? Do you have faith in that? Do you, do you have evidence to prove that you believe that? See, you've got to manifest some evidence that proves that you believe God has done great things. Let the world know God's done something great for you. I love testimony night. I love when we were a really small church and new Christians were, were filled up into place. And we'd go around and we'd just tell everybody, you know, it would be five of us there, ten of us there. We'd have Wednesday night service uh, it, it, it'd be, uh, you know, four of us, maybe, me preaching to three people. Uh, been times where it was just uh, me, me, Gail, and one other. We went to dinner, and I preached at the table. Uh, but small groups, and everybody would just go around. Say something you're thankful for. You know, people have been in church for a long time. Well, Pastor Scott, I'm just thankful for all things unto the Lord and His miraculous grace and infinite mercy and His indomitable spirit that allows me to face each day with, 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 with such hope and, and, and a swelling of my soul as I consider what God hath done for me. Please go to the Baptist church. Please infecting people with that level of fakery and so we go around and if that's how you talk then fine you're not a fake okay if that's you that's you i'm all right with you unless you're faking but i love when we come around to that newest youngest christian and they would say with tears in their eyes and shakiness in their voice i don't know how to say it like everyone else but i'm just glad he's saved That's the most moving thing that you can say about what God has done for you. I want you to be a good Christian. I want you to help us win the world to Christ. I want you to come to church. I wish you'd start giving so God could bless you financially. I wish you'd help us with our kids and our youth. But more than all that, I want you to be saved. I want you to know that you know for sure that God has done that great thing for you, which is bring salvation. And I'm going to give you a chance this morning after church to come speak to me. I, I'm going to ask a couple of uh, people that I've already talked to uh, in the past to hang around up front with me. Um, if you need somebody to pray with you this morning before you leave this place for salvation, we want to talk to you. If you need somebody to agree with you in prayer for physical healing, for a financial issue, for a miracle that you're believing God for, we want to put our faith with your faith. We want to uh, agree with you that God is able uh, and desirous to do great things in your life. But y'all that come back on Wednesday night, when we really have extended, we, we have 10, 20, 30 minutes worth of testimony on Wednesday night. Not uncommon. Uh, we take time to brag on God. Y'all that come on Wednesday night have heard me say, the more you brag on God about, the more he'll give you to brag on him about. We need to leave this place this morning fully believing God has done great things. He hath done great things. 
That doesn't mean everything in your life is exactly how you want it. But he made a way. He made a way. And I want you to believe that. And I want you to rest in that. And I want you to rest in his peace. And I want you to drive out the voices of fear and discouragement by continuing to believe. I know he died on the cross for me. I know he, he still got me. Listen, if, 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 your, if your mind is holding on by a thread, give God thanks that your mind is still holding on by a thread. No matter where your situation is, I want you to let it be your confession. He has done great things. Because our God does great things. He did a great thing on Calvary. He'll do a great thing in your life today if you will trust him for that. Pray with me. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the water and the blood. Thank you for truth. Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and let us always realize that you have done great things. Let us rest in your peace. Let our faith have evidence that proves to the world that we're just not talking about something that we can't see. We're living out a different life because of what we can't see. Because of the faith that we have in you, in your son Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Because of your spirit that lives inside of us and because of the word that you've given us to take to the world. Hope, forgiveness, reconciliation eternity paradise heaven we love you God thank you for doing everything that is necessary for us to be made right with you we confess today God that the only reason we are right with you is because of you it's not about us God it's all about you you told us that salvation belongs to you that it's a gift from you so we thank you God for doing all the work Thank you for allowing us to believe in you, and I pray that you would manifest evidence in our lives of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.